0: Well, good morning. My name is Danny Aiken, and I have the great joy and honor of serving as president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I want to extend my welcome to all of the family and friends uh, that are here today, and in particular uh, to these graduates that I am so very, very proud of and grateful that God in his kindness brought to study here with us. Uh, some just a few years ago, and some i discovered yesterday, have been here for quite a while, they have pursued what could be called the lifetime plan. And um, (laughs) but they are here today and they are graduating. And I cannot tell you how much I admire their perseverance and their steadfastness to see things uh, to their appropriate end. You know, when you come to the Bible, there are a number of wonderful uh, one-verse passages that many of us have memorized and many of us have been blessed by over the years. Of course, I immediately think of the admonition given to dads and granddads in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 where we are told that it is our responsibility to teach our children, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Of course, at this particular time of the year, perhaps no verse is more precious than John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yesterday, as I was talking to these graduates, I shared with them that there are several life verses that have been foundational for me throughout my now almost 40 years in ministry. Uh, One in particular, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, that verse is often called the win-win scenario because if you live, you get Christ. And when you die, you get more of Christ. What a wonderful promise for all of those who know Jesus as Savior. But this morning, there is a, another verse, a single verse that again, promises such great hope for anybody and everybody who claims it as their own. And is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. There, the Bible simply says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, all of these students took a class called hermeneutics. Some of you had me as your professor. Some of you took some of the other guys and that's okay. I'm not offended by that in the least. I'm sure your schedule dictated that. And so they took a class that is committed to and dedicated simply to Bible interpretation. How do you more rightly and correctly interpret the Bible? And of course, one of the things we taught you is that when you're looking at a text, you pepper that text with questions. In particular, who, what, where, when, why, and how. And so this morning, we're going to provide for your friends and family, as well as you, a little hermeneutical exercise. And we're simply gonna take 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 and ask two or three of those questions concerning what we should find there and what God was intending for us to understand. So let me begin with the question, who? Who is this particular passage for? And the answer is, it's for everybody. If anyone be in Christ. That means any man, any woman, any boy, any girl. It is inclusive and it is universal in its scope. Uh, there's no ethical or racial restriction. Uh, there's no socioeconomic barrier. Any one of the 7.2 billion people on this earth, this word is for them. Of the 6,000 701 unreached people groups, this verse is for them. For the 3.1 billion people who have never even one time heard a clear presentation of the gospel, this verse is for them. By the way, yesterday we prayed for many of you because we recognize that among a congregation this large, there are persons here today who for whatever reason have never committed their life to Jesus Christ. You've never trusted in Christ. You've never believed the gospel. Perhaps for some unbelievable reason up until this point in time, you've never heard the gospel. Well, after today, that will not be true because even if you choose today to go back home as you came, It will not be because you did not hear a clear presentation concerning the good news that Jesus Christ loves you, the good news that Jesus Christ died for you, the good news that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead for you, and the good news that this promise is for you if anyone is in Christ. And so that helps us answer the question, who? But where? Where is it that one finds this new life, this new beginning, this new creation? And the text is very clear and very simple. If anyone is in Christ, it is in Christ and Christ alone that one can find a new beginning, that one can become a a new creation. Uh, When it comes to the area of theology, we call this the scandal of particularity. In other words, we don't believe that the Bible teaches that there are many saviors. We believe that the Bible is crystal clear. There is only one savior. Now you say, where in the world, Danny, would you get such a narrow-minded view as that? And the answer is very simply, we get it from Jesus. In John chapter 14 and verse six, our savior says very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And so we recognize that our calling as ministers of the gospel is to take this very specific, very particular, but very clear gospel to every single person on the planet because the Bible is crystal clear. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. I have a very dear friend uh, who is an atheist. Uh, I came to know this friend back in the early 1990s, and I regret to say that even today he has still not come to trust in Christ as his Savior, but we have remained good friends now for several decades, and I pray for him on a regular basis, and we often correspond with each other. I'll never forget that uh, he came, by the way, and uh, spent six months in the college where at that time I was a professor of theology and the dean of students. And he spent six months going to our classes. Uh, He spent uh, time on the mission field. He actually went uh, on a mission trip to El Salvador. He got shot at. I warned him that he needed to get saved before he went there because he might get killed. And uh, he came back and said, they did shoot at me. And I said, well, you should have got saved. But anyway, um, I'm still praying for him and we have the most wonderful relationship. But before he left uh, Dallas, Texas, where I was living at that time, and went back to New York City, and uh, by the way, he's an intellectual heavyweight. He's a Columbia University graduate. We were in my uh, dining room after Charlotte had provided a wonderful dinner. and, And I looked at this man named Mike, and I said, Mike, I'm just curious. You spent six months with us. You've taken classes in New Testament, Old Testament, theology, philosophy, church history. You've gone on a mission trip. You've gone to the Southern Baptist Convention with us. Uh, I'm just curious, as you've looked at everything from your atheistic worldview, what's the bottom line? And he said, Danny, that's easy. The bottom line is the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I said to Mike, well, I agree with you, but why do you say that? And here's what he said. He said, Danny, it's really very simple. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then number one, there is a God. Number two, he is that God. Number three, that means the Bible is true because he said it was true. And that means that heaven and hell are real. And number five, he makes all the difference. Folks, that's pretty good theology for an atheist. In fact, that's pretty good theology for anyone because Mike is exactly correct. If Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead, there is a God. He is that God. The Bible is true, heaven and hell are real and he makes all the difference. And that's why we believe the only place where you can become a new creation is in Jesus Christ. So who, anyone, where in Christ, what? You become a new creation. Creation. Your life is changed. Uh, you are radically altered in terms of your eternal destiny. To make it very simple, once you were lost, now you're found. Once you are a rebellious sinner, now you're a child of God. Once you had no hope for eternal life, now you have the gift of eternal life. Once, just being honest with the Bible, your destiny was hell, now your destiny is heaven. Once you were spiritually dead, now you are spiritually alive. That is possible for anyone who puts their faith and trust in Christ. But Paul is not through with what questions. What? A new creation. What? Old things have passed away. Old things are gone. You're now new in Christ. As you stand before God, your sinful past has been wiped clean. And if you go back and look at the context of this passage, now his love constrains you. Now you don't live for yourself, but you live for him. Now you look at people not as the world looks at people, but as Christ looks at people. You see everyone the same as in need of a savior. But then the final what? Behold, all things have become new. Uh, when you come to trust Christ as your savior, you now have a new passion to inspire you. You have a new priority to guide you. You have a new perspective that shapes the way you look at life. You just don't see life the same way anymore, do you? Things that at one time meant everything to you now mean nothing and things that perhaps at uh, different times in your life you never thought about now, they are your consuming passion. I love the way that the president of the International Mission Board, David Platt, puts it. He says, when you come to know Christ as Savior, and when you come to understand what it means to live under his lordship, bottom line, what you simply do is this. You give him a blank check, you sign your name at the bottom and you say, Lord Jesus, you fill in all the details. You tell me where I'll serve. You tell me what I will do. And I simply report every single day saying, reporting for duty, King Jesus, where do you want me to go? And what is it that you want me to do? And so graduates, this particular text is wrapped up in a call both to a ministry of reconciliation and a calling to proclaim the message of reconciliation. That's why you came here to prepare. That's why you go to serve. And that's why many of you are gonna go to very hard and difficult places, whereas of today, the name of Jesus is very faint, if there at all, but we're trusting that God is gonna do something far more than we could ever hope or imagine or dare to think because you're being faithful to what he has made you brand new in Jesus Christ. But I wanna close with a challenge to all of us because verse 21 is also one of those one-verse passages in the Bible. Uh, R.G. Lee used to say it was his favorite verse in the Bible. We often, again, as theologians call it the great transaction because this is the key to how it is that you and I and anyone can become a new creation in Christ. And there the Bible simply says, he made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Very simply, what the Bible is saying is this this morning, you come to Christ and give him what is yours, your sin. In response, he gives you what is his, his perfect righteousness. We simply call that amazing grace. So this morning, There is a miracle that takes place when you are in Christ. There is a wonderful message that tells you how you get in Christ. And then there is a wonderful calling for all of us as we then take the precious gift that has been given to us and share it with people across the street, share it with people across America, and yes, by God's grace and for the glory of King Jesus, we share it around the world. I wanna ask you if you would to bow your head for just a moment and close your eyes. Yesterday, not only did we speak of the fact that there would be some of you here today who've never trusted Christ, we prayed for you. Indeed, we asked that God might surprise you today, not with just this wonderful celebration of watching a son or a daughter or a brother or sister or a dear friend graduate, But he might surprise you with the most wonderful gift of all, and that being the gift of eternal life. And so once more, let me be very clear. God loves you. He loves you so much, he sent his son into this world who lived an absolutely perfect, sinless life in your place. He lived the life you should have lived and didn't. He then died the death that you should have died. He bore in his body the penalty of sin and he paid in full the penalty of the sins of the whole world and that includes you. And now this morning he offers you this glorious, wonderful free gift called salvation through repentance and faith. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to lead in what we often refer to as a sinner's prayer. Dr. Billy Graham has done this thousands of times all around the world and seen literally millions come to put their faith and trust in Christ. And let me be very clear. There's nothing magical about the words that I am about to voice. The issue is your heart, but I can promise you this. If your heart is a reflection of what I'm about to say, and you can say that prayer that Danny just voiced is my prayer, I can promise you on the authority of God's word that he will hear your prayer, he will answer your prayer, and he will save your soul today. So if you're here today and you believe Jesus died for me and I want him as my savior, then simply pray this prayer with me in your heart right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me and you proved it by coming into this world. You proved it by living a perfect, sinless life. And then you made it crystal clear by dying in my place on the cross. I thank you that you died for all of my sins. I acknowledge to you I am a sinner. I acknowledge I need to be saved. And this morning I put my faith and trust in your death and resurrection on my behalf. I confess that I am a sinner And today I put all of my hope, my trust, and my faith alone in you, Lord Jesus. And I am trusting your word today that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that anyone praying that prayer in faith you have heard. You have answered, and Lord, you have saved them. And Father, those of us who are here today as the part of this faculty and these graduates, we, Lord, rejoice that another brother or sister has been added to the family of God, and we rejoice that, again, your gospel has proven itself to be true. And Lord, I would just pray that following this ceremony in just a few moments when we leave here, that if they have indeed put their faith and trust in Christ, they would find this graduate that they came here today to honor and to celebrate with. And they'd give them a big hug and say, I'm so proud to see you graduating today, but let me tell you something I think will bless you even more. When, when, when Danny prayed, I prayed that prayer, and I now know that I belong to Jesus. And Lord, I can promise anyone praying that prayer, the joy that will reside and well up within each one of us will far exceed receiving a diploma this day. So we thank you that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passes away, all becomes new. What a wonderful, wonderful Christmas gift you have given to the world. And we praise you and thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Praying this all in your name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe,